Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey everyone, I'm Brian Austin Green. I'm Shauna Burgess. And I'm Randy Spelling. And you are listening to Oldish, an iHeartRadio podcast. Randy! Sharna, good to see you as always. It's always good to see you. It's so good to hear your voice. We are back for another episode of Oldish. Thank you everyone for tuning in with us. We have Randy and I today and a special guest that is filling in for Bri because the man is still away. He is going to be, I think, so much fun with us. And I'm so honored and grateful that he's given us his time to stand in for Bri. Mr. Ian Ziering. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Randy, it's only been a hundred freaking years. I know. Seriously. Good to see you. How it's dare great. you look so good. Look at you, Ian. This is, this is not okay. I shaved my face first time in 20 years. <laughs> you look amazing. How are you, Sharna? So good. It's so good to see you. Thank you for hanging with us today. Thanks, Sharna. You're very sweet to invite me. Oh my God. You're, listen, you're wonderful. I love your energy. I think you're so what our podcast is about. Just, you know, talking about you know, real stuff, life stuff, funny stuff. We'll get into it. We're just being, you know, humans having a human experience and sharing it right here on this podcast to hopefully help people, inspire people, and, you know, have a bit of fun while doing it. Sounds good. Let's hit it. Before jumping into a whole bunch of different directions, how has your week been? Yeah. Just tell us about your week. What you've been Me? up to? My week has been nonstop. I've got so many balls in the air, you know, as an actor here in Hollywood right now coming out of a, a strike. Yeah. You know, first of all, it's the kids. First and foremost, it's my kids. And mm-hmm. I've had to work with my my oldest daughter who is applying to middle school. What kind of no. kid is that? Since when you have to uh, apply that's crazy. to school. And, you know, it's like a 10-page application for middle school. And I had to fill out most of it. And then I had to give it to my daughter to fill out the rest. And, you know, those questions that were asked of her are essay questions. And, you know, you just, you just have to hope for the best. She's a bright, my little one, Penna, she's very bright and, and persnickety and, and just charming and, and lovely. And, you know, I, you just have to let go and, and, 
let it happen. So we worked on that quite a bit. My oldest one, Mia, she's a 12 major now. Oh my gosh. It's, it's amazing. Uh, the challenges that come with little girls, every level's got a different devil. Let me tell Wait, you. I'm oh, in it. Did you just I'm say 12 ager? 12, 12 ager? I love it. I, I love ager. that. Yeah. yeah I remember yeah. being 12. I absolutely thought I was 20 when I was 12 for sure. And she's very much in that mindset. So really that takes most of my focus, but in terms of being dad and provider, I've got other businesses. I work with Corey on occasion to build out a line of health and beauty products that we're really doing pretty well with. That's really exciting. We're working on selling a talk show with a gentleman who I had the chance to meet at a retreat all about relational connections, whether it's romantic or familiar, it's, it's just Oh my God, there's some people out there. I, I shy away from the word gurus, but you hear the words that come out of their mouth and you're just like, oh my God, that's such great language. It's so important to to talk to experts about different things. I'm telling you, if I need my taxes done, it goes to an expert. God forbid I needed heart surgery, I'd go to an expert. But nobody teaches love. <laughs> They really don't. You're pretty much set it and forget it based on your environment that you grew up with. And it can be very challenging. You know, it doesn't always align and you can create the love, but you really need to start with an understanding of what people need in a relationship, mm -hmm. what you need, mm -hmm. what they need. So building out a talk show for this guy, I think he's going to replace Dr. Phil. He's unbelievable. Wow. And what else am I doing? I'm, I'm fiddling around with this dad bod boot camp thing because I, I really feel to a certain extent that I have a gift in talking to my fellow men out there and helping them shift their mindset to be more proactive about their health. You know, so many of us are resigned to the dad bod and it's not healthy. It's really not healthy. And we control so little in our lives, but what we put into our mouth is one of those things. Mm-hmm. Oh, you and Randy are going to get along famously on, on <laughs> right. this episode. My God, you are yeah. speaking his language. Well, Randy, just you're ripped. I saw a picture of Randy. He's all ripped. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying Did to you take a that? page out of your he, book. He nearly broke the internet with that one. He, <laughs> yeah, Randy buddy. looks amazing. You both look amazing. I And I just have to say right now that like, for, for for better or worse, I was just sharing with Randy that I said to you, how was your week? And you've given all these things. Randy asked me how my week was. I was like, eh, I had anxiety. You just labeled off all the things that you're doing. It's amazing. And I think it's what I needed to hear, being proactive, being inspired, getting into it. I'm so grateful the universe brought me that where I could listen to you and all the things that you're doing and, and forming and creating and thinking of. Because I've had a week of just sitting in some anxiety for some reason. I'm in a period of transition. It's that moment of things are happening, but they're not happening quick enough. And then that that breeds like fear of what if they don't happen. And then it just has been a little bit of a cycle or a circle for me. So thank you for sharing all of that and being so excited and passionate about it because you just lit a little bit of a fire for me. Like, all right, I got to get my shit together. Like, so what? It's anxiety, but there's a lot of things that I can do and create and be to push past that. So, yeah. wow, I needed that. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So, bridging what you just said, how do you, Ian, get past, you know, the, the strike was going on? There might be a roadblock in one area, but it sounds like for you, you have gone and pivoted and created other things while over here, some things might sure. be waiting in the wings. So what do you do that works for you? Uh, first of all, I'm the voice inside my head. 
I don't allow myself to fall victim to the monster, what I call the monster, which is that self-destructive, self-sabotaging monster inside of us that is inside us all because we have a comfort zone where, okay, I'm comfortable here. And if I start doing better, then I'll put the brakes on to stay in the comfort zone. And if I'm not doing well enough, then I'll ramp up a little bit. But, you know, I'm very aware of the programs that my head runs and I distance myself from them by saying, oh, no. I'm not dealing with that shit today. I'm going to choose me and decide to get whatever it is I need to do, get it done. And I'll put the bullshit in a box and put it in another room. You know, you can't get rid of it, but you can identify it. And if I'm the voice inside my head, then I can direct where I and what I need to do for the day. And sometimes people, and I've been guilty of this too, they're passengers. You're passenger in your own life. You left life happen to you instead of you living it. It's really unfortunate, you know, but I've been so lucky to have been exposed to some incredible uh, forward thinking people that have helped me in my journey. You know, I, I initiated a divorce in 2019. We jumped right into a, a pandemic. Every foundational building block that my children had was all of a sudden gone. Mm. I'm in my house alone. I, suffered from severe depression. I went on some Lexapro for four months and all of a sudden I wasn't weepy, but I realized I wasn't feeling anything anymore. Mm -hmm. So I told my doc, I said, look, I, I want to start feeling again. And I went off the meds and then just started noticing some things about myself that I wasn't happy with and decided to make the change. You know, I'm motivated by love and I love my kids more than anything. They're my wife for everything. And I wasn't accomplishing what I needed to do to serve my kids. I was a mess and that doesn't work for me. Mm. And Sharon, I hear, you know, when you say you, you had some anxiety, that that's a very real struggle. But I think, you know, if you can see that as a program that your head is running, then maybe you can distance yourself from a little bit. Say, oh, I'm not going to deal with this today. I need to go to Target and I need to do some things to get whatever it is I need. And you could push past it while still giving grace for the, the anxiety that's truly inside your body, you can still move forward and and be productive, even though you're struggling, if you identify the program that's running inside your head for a bit. Mm, I don't know. It could be wrong, but it's worked for me. I love the way you say identify the program. Usually my approach is to identify the why, which I think is very similar in, in what you're saying. You know, the for me, a big part of pushing through anxiety or moments of feeling a little stuck or frozen is like, okay, why do I feel this way? What is it that's making me feel this way? And so often when I, I do that for myself and I recognize, as you say, the programming or the why of it that I'm sitting here and go, oh, that doesn't even really make sense. You know, my, my brain is telling me these, is making up these stories and filling in these gaps with these whatever, because anxiety is just breeding more anxiety. But if I go back to the root of it and the why oh, this is, this is something easy for me to work through. You know, as you say, like, I think the programming and the why sort of sound similar to me in that sense, the root cause of it, at least. And I, I know what it's been for me this week, and it's taken a little longer to work through it, but certainly having tools to combat anxiety, yourself, depression. I mean, I hope you know that what you did, the choices that you make and like, first of all, saying, I want to feel again, 
that is huge, huge iron. Don't minimize how strong you are and how wonderful that is. I hope you see that. And your ability to push past these things and build your own tools and process of how to be a, a human, having a human experience and recognizing that it's okay to have these feelings, but you can also work through them. That's major. As you know, as you say, that's a really beautiful quality that you have. That's very inspiring. I've always been a very sensitive person. I'm Oh, you are my people. Oh, it's just my people. Like, oh my God, sensitive. Things affect me. And then going through, you know, cratering my family, which was very difficult, took a lot of courage. And then to live with the aftermath on top of the pandemic and all that isolation was, was really overwhelming. And I yeah. was a mess. I was weepy. I'd be like in bed with my dog at 7 p.m. cuddling, trying to go to sleep and just being a mess. You know, I just wasn't happy with the version of myself. Mm. that was created from all of that. You know, time helps heal that wound. You know, now four years later, got a, a really great relationship with my ex-wife. She and I co-parent really well together. We are cooking Thanksgiving dinner together for the kids. Oh, I love that. You know, Excellent. That's amazing. Yeah, well, it it's good because she nor I are romantically linked to anybody so it wouldn't create any discomfort in a a relationship and why not do this i mean i still honor her for the woman that i married the woman who gave me two of the most amazing children in my life though we're Mm -hmm. a broken family we're still a family Mm -hmm. and any opportunity that i have to to show that dad still cares about mom and mom you know shows that she could still care about dad in front of the kids I think it's a good thing to do. You know, we try to do that whenever we can. You know, at first it was acrimonious. There's no divorce that's pleasant. Let's be real. Right, of course. Mm-hmm. But it gets to a point that you got to look at what really is most important. And that's, the, you know, making sure the children that you brought into the world are healthy and capable of being productive adults and experiencing love, functional love, even if it gets broken once in a while, the the care and honor of of another person that you know you're with is is important they need to see that you can't just show it to them it's so invaluable and we talked a lot about co-parenting on our uh, podcast but what you're showing them is invaluable to them so not only good representation of how to treat people that you love kindness respect for other people but that a situation like yours doesn't have to end in it being really ugly and bitter and angry that you can still have mutual respect that if it didn't work out, your family is not necessarily broken. It's just reimagined. It's respaced into a different way. And I think even reforming that word is helpful because so often today, families, marriages don't work out and the healthier option is to separate and do exactly what you're doing. Still show representation of love, but in a different form of respect for one another, good parenting. You're doing everything, not only the best that you can, but in my opinion, so beautifully. And I think the right way, it's really, it's really huge. I love hearing this. Thanks. Yeah. Doing the best I can. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. It's parenting is tough, let alone co-parenting. You know what I mean? It is. It's, it's so (laughs) is. And the thing is in terms of relationships, even when people go their separate ways, I don't think there's as much thought sometimes to the fact that it's still a relationship. You're still going to have to make decisions. You're still going to be parenting these kids just from a separate house or a different place. So how do you 
facilitate that ability to get along in order to forward think and look at how is this going to affect the kids? There's a decision that you make as a couple for each of you, but also looking at how are they going to experience love later on? Because we all know by now that we tend to repeat things that we've seen from past and in our childhood. So you spoke to this about the uh, retreat that you went on, right? And reimagining love and looking at redefining what that is for you and how to look at it and interact with it differently. Same thing with kids is they grow up with the model of what's around them. And a lot of times unconsciously, this is what happens. They repeat the patterns that they see. So yeah. the fact that you're doing this with her is is real. I mean, look, there's no guarantees, but I think it's really amazing for them to be able to see that and the care and the consideration that goes into not only that relationship, but to them, because it's really a lot of care and consideration about what it's like for them growing up, seeing both of their parents care about each other, even if they're not together. Yeah. For me, and I know you, Randy, and, and Brian too, dad is a no-fail endeavor. Like, I will crawl through broken glass, mm -hmm. swim, I will tread underwater to prop my kids up, whatever I have to do. Uh, there's no there's no ask that would be too great. And I want to make sure that I'm raising, you know, lionesses. I want my girls to be sharp and 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 understand the value of a deep value of a deep emotional connection and though mom and i don't have it anymore i have this with my kids and she has it with the kids mm -hmm. and they see that there is that compassion and love and honor that their mom and dad still have for each other hey girlfriends it's me carol fisher I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. 
A lot of times you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It looks like you have a lot of fun with your girls. I saw some of the oh Instagram God. things where they were waxing your <laughs> nose hairs. And I didn't even get to see the reveal of that, but I was dying laughing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I I had gotten the stuff off the internet because it looked so ridiculous. I'm like, there's no way I'm doing this. And I put it in her drawer. And all of a sudden, Penna finds it. Dad, we have to do this. <laughs> and, you know, when my daughter asks, you know, she wants to have some fun, any opportunity I have to make a memory I'm absolutely going to do it. I'm an older dad and I don't have the runway that younger dads with their kids. So I'm trying to cram in as much valuable uh, memories as possible. You know, I had these things made every time I'd walk the kids to school, you know, when they were little, I'd squeeze their hand and I'd say, I love you this much. And I would squeeze their hand and, you know, it got to the point where we would be doing this every day and, Words didn't need to be spoken anymore. It could just be the, the pinches. And I had these life casts made. Oh. Oh, wow. I am. Oh. Of me holding the kids' oh. hands. And I have one for Mia and one for Penna. And the artist, she said, I have something interesting we could do with the hand, where the hand and wrist ends. So what do you say we grow crystals? Wow. Oh, stop. Is that crazy? You it's know what's crazy? Unbelievably is beautiful. I I'm am. totally tearing up right now. I have yeah. the chills because so much of what you are saying, I, I feel, I mean, I am, you played my older brother on 9021. I should say I played your younger brother on 90210. Right. <laughs> and just hearing you talk and us, I mean, this is what, 20 years later since the yeah. show ended. And I, there's so many similarities that you and I have that I never realized because I was so young back then. We didn't get into such deep conversations. But like, wow, so much of what you're saying, I, I feel 
so similar and a memory of my father that I had is when we would be walking, he was, he was older and he would sit and squeeze my hand and he would tell me very affectionately, every time I squeeze your hand, that means I love you. You don't have to say anything. And it's so beautiful oh, to see that. So I had, I had these things made. I don't know if you can read it, but it says always the, always the best part of my day. Because oh. I'd say that, I'd squeeze it and I was like, this, this is the best part of my day. Oh, you know, so yes. any opportunity I have to make memories with my kids, and I know I'm not going to live forever, and my parent, I'm an orphan now, and, you know, I scour my mind for memories. I'd say, okay, 1991, what was I doing? I was out here in California. What was, and I would recreate the memories I would have of my parents. Just to, It's not money. The wealth is not in money. At the end of the day, it's in memories. So memories. I'm always trying to create lucid memories for my kids and and they'll have these when I, it, it's a, a little dark i suppose because that was the intention either for when i'm gone but it's i think it's dark beautiful in the slightest it's phenomenal it's and it's oh my god i i'm speechless at that actually seriously between last episode sharna where you talked about your nipple ring ripping out <laughs> that stayed with what? me for days it's the empath in me and now i and with this story i'm like i need to go lay down i need yeah. i can't i, I can't work i'm for the emotional rest of the after this share this is absolutely i and you took me by surprise is this something this this really sentimental side of you right that you have is this something that is solely for your girls or have you been like this in your romantic relationships are you a hopeless romantic with grand gestures yeah Oh, I love it so much. You're my people. Yeah. This is, uh, when I asked Aaron to marry me, I said I could see our love written in the stars. Mm -hmm. I'd say that for like a week. I'm like, oh, babe, I, you know, we were in this effusive love bubble and I was just like bl love blowing out of my ears. And I kept saying I could see our love written in the stars, which is so like stupid and cliche. But when you're in that moment, it's just like, ooh, it's just the yummiest stuff. And she came home from work that one day. And right in the center of my living room here, there was a stool with this globe-looking thing that had all these wires and hearts sticking out of it. And I put her right in front of it. I said, what does this look like? And she says, an arts and crafts project? I'm like, yeah. well, close. Let me see if I could uh, make it a little bit more clear. And then I went, and over here, I, I had this black curtain, and I unfurled it down, and there was a, in the black sheet there was a white circle and i said what does it look like now and she's like ah. so let me see if i could light it up for you so i hit this button and i had like little sparkle lights put into the black sheet so she's like oh that's the moon and the stars i'm like well do you get it and she says mm, not really <laughs> so then i put a light a little desk lamp at her feet and i shined it up at the the globe with the wires and the heart sticking out of it and for hours earlier in the day i had meticulously placed these wires and hearts so the shadow would display our love on the white moon of the background so i lit it up and it says our love and she's like oh my god i see our love written on the moon and she turned around and i i was on my knee and i asked her to marry me but it didn't end there because i have a friend that I went to high school with that's an astronaut. And he took my ring to outer space for a year. So my ring was what? in outer space. Dude, right, Randy? What? Right? <laughs> Crazy. 
Why are my you brain. overachieving, Ian? I know. I know. Ian, did, did Brian high. consult you at all about his proposal? I don't. I don't think he did. I mean, I'm no. gonna have words with that man. I'm kidding. So I'll send perfect, you the picture. Like, wow. I sent my ring to outer space for a year, where it traveled around the world 145 million miles. It saw 10,000 sunrises and sunsets. Also, I could say I see our love written in the stars, and I have, I have a picture of it floating in the cupola of the space station, just floating in, in in the capsule, but you could see the earth behind it and it's... Ian, this might be the most unreal proposal story I've ever heard in my life. Like I, this is Very in the best way. Love. You are, you are absolutely, you're not kidding when you say that. I can only imagine how many people are going to listen to this and look at their partners and go... <laughs> What the? F- <laughs> that's what they're gonna right? say. Like, oh what my the- gosh, what would it be like to have a man who doesn't have a dad bod, who has the mindset of this, who sends the ring out to space for a year? Yeah, no one knew you. These this existed. Iron. This is un. This is amazing. Most women, they just got a new standard. The bar just got raised. Is what I I'm saying. I was not intending to raise the I know. bar. Every guy is different. No, I think it's awesome. Okay, oh, so. Cool. So let's shift gears here. Yeah, wait for I'll just pick my jaw up off the floor for a second. Hang on, I'm with you. Where are we going? Hopefully, Ian, you will come back when Brian is on the show because I feel like there's a lot for you two to talk about. Obviously, you know, we all have our own history, but I think with you and Brian, there's going to be. Oh, Brian's my chosen brother. I love that kid. Right. Mm-hmm. So many more like stories and uh, 90210 uh, happenings. But we have a chance to say a couple things about Brian, especially for you, that we may not even know. Any memories of Brian, anything from 90210, anything that you can share that uh, that people would be surprised by or that we don't know? Oh, my God. I had the... Just give me the dirt. Just the good, the good stuff. Work, Just give me the, the juicy with... stuff, Ian. I want to know. Who was this man before he proposed to me? I met Brian and he was a kid. Yeah, I know. You know, <laughs> we were all... Brian was 16 or 17 years old. And I tell you, I was always very impressed with Brian because he he w- was never vulgar. Mm. He had a class about him that spoke very highly to the way he was raised. He was well-mannered. He was tremendously gracious. You know, this was at a time where the giving was overwhelming to us being on this show. We were all very young, but Brian handled himself with grace and elegance where some people may have been bring it on let's go party kind of thing brian was always very reserved with that and you know it wasn't until i met his parents that i I realized oh okay this now it all makes sense so brian's always been a a good guy and you know randy you i got to talk about you and your sister for two kids to have grown up in in the middle of so much opulence but but yet to be so grounded really it just speaks so much to the job that your mom and dad did with you because you know, when I met Tori, I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like living a fairy tale princess life. And here I am, this guy from Jersey and, you know, a little rough around the edges, perhaps. But she was always and you, too, you would never know. There was never anything that either of you ever did that was look at me. I'm Sandra D. ish. Mm. It was always after you. Thank you very much. I'm like, my God, this is this is this is great. I, I all the people that I grew up with, everybody really, we all came from different backgrounds, but I think everybody was parented really well. 
because at the end of the day, they're all solid people, you know, where no one takes anything for granted. And I'm with these people now at, at different Comic-Cons or we'll have lunch or, or wherever, you know, Brian's birthday party. And it's, it's just so beautiful to have gone through the fire with all these people. And yet there's a certain sameness in their their character that has made them chosen family for me. You know, it'd be so easy. I don't know many casts that have worked together that still stay as close as we are. We laugh mm-hmm. with each other. We clap for each other. We cry with each other. It's 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 really uh, very very lucky. But Brian was always a, a class act and funny. And like when he'd get crazy, all of a sudden he would like bang out some crazy dance moves. And I hated that little bastard man because he could dance. Yeah, he, he could, could dance. dance. Yeah. Oh my god, he'd like be breaking out his his dance routine, do whatever. Right. <laughs> Right. You saw him, man. He was just like, God. And then music, all of a sudden, he like sit down the piano, he's playing piano. Holy shit. He's so talented. You know, I really think they they highlighted all the talent that Brian uh, had to give uh, because he was he's really a talented, gifted young man. Mm-hmm. He is. He's very talented. So first of all, thank you for saying all the things that you did about me and all through Randy, all through and Tori. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I think being raised, I'll, I'll just say this quickly for for both Tori and I. You know, Tori didn't want to be seen as having being given anything. Nepotism was a very strong word back then in Hollywood, and she caught more flack for that than I did, unfortunately. And so she really wanted to work hard to work against any projections that there would be on her. So it was really important to be professional. Our father always said, show up early. Be there on time, be professional, thank everybody. So there was this idea, and of course my mom too, this idea of like really appreciate people and don't take it all for granted. And so we both had that. And it's just such a beautiful thing to hear that the cast laughs and cries for each other and applauds each other. I mean, you don't always hear that. So I think that's something really special and not to be taken lightly. And then back to Brian, I mean, all of you on the cast, for me being really young, I idolized everyone in my own way, right? Because I, I, I would see the, uh, the dailies coming home or I'd sort of get like the advanced copy of the show that was coming out and I'd pop it in my VCR and sit on my bed and I was so excited. And then when I got cast to come on and play your little brother, I was so nervous to do that because I was watching the show on TV as a young teen and and then to sort of like be a fan and then come in and work with everyone. I was scared shitless, but you were so great at making jokes, at keeping us comfortable and just making it easy. So I want to thank you for that because there were some moments where my heart was beating out of my chest. I was so nervous. Never knew that. You handled yourself like a professional, Randy. I hit so it you're well. you really are an actor. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I masked it well. You did. <laughs> hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, 
And then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. So amazing to hear your experience of that. And, and like Randy said, to hear that you guys clap and cry and, and are still so bonded with each other. It's a beautiful thing. You you guys went through fame at a crazy time. Like the 90s, Brian's spoken with me about it and what it was like and just that madness of paparazzi becoming a thing and the, the, how big 90210 got and how you guys just got shot to stardom so quickly that suddenly hundreds of thousands of people want, know your name and want your attention than millions of people. And that just must have been wild. Was it, how old were you when you started 90210 when you were doing it? I was 26. So how was that for you? This like sudden rush of, and forgive me, I don't know how much you had done before 90210, but was it 
Was it wild? Did it take a second to adjust to suddenly having this unreal fame that, you know, not many people had had at that point? I had been working since I'm 12 years old. Ah, um, okay. So it was not, not really new for you in that sense? Well, I had had some success. I was on Broadway when I was 15. I had done some movies, but there's nothing that could prepare you for the success that 90210 brought. It came, it was like strapping yourself to a rocket ship and going global because everywhere, and even today, anywhere that I go, it's... Of course. Aren't, yeah. aren't you... Aren't you? I'm like, yeah, hi, I'm Zach Morris. <laughs> you remember me from Saved by... And, and that'll be like, no, you're not. And I'll have some fun with it. But, you know, Brian and I in 1992 or three, we were asked to go to Spain. To he be told on, me this story. Is this the know, airport story? You have to tell this story. This is crazy. We went to be on a TV show, their version of Hollywood Squares. And we get off the plane and... An announcement came over, ladies and gentlemen, we're being redirected to another part of the airport. The army is coming on the plane to escort some of the passengers off. And I'm thinking I'm like, who? (laughs) Well, I'm thinking there's some bad guy amongst us. And then it was Brian and I. They had to take us out of the airplane because there were like 12 or 15,000 people that descended on the airport because TV program announced that we're landing and everybody showed up. And it got to the point where there was such a mosh that I looked at Brian and said, Brian, my feet aren't even on the ground. I was getting so compressed that I lifted up my feet and I was just like moving like a blood vessel in, in the blood flow of, of humanity. It was insane. We had an unbelievable time in, in Spain and met some incredible people. And, you know, on the ride home, it was, you know, we had to catch our breath. Like, oh, my God, what are, what did we just do? Mm. Like, we just work on a TV show. But the impact that it had uh was so enormous but you know i I think we took it with a grain of salt i know i did i know brian did as well you know they didn't really know us i looked at it as an appreciation for what i had done what i was contributing to the show and that's really the way it's always been for me i don't process that that it makes me more of whatever they think i am i'm staying the same it's just like i've done something that affected somebody in a positive way and it translates for me into just flattery and appreciation it doesn't make my head get any bigger my mom was very sure to keep me very well grounded i remember very early in my career i think it was my first commercial that i booked i had to go into new york city and i'm sitting 7 a.m in the green room and i'm really excited because this is my first commercial and the PA comes over, hey, can I get you some breakfast with a notepad? And I knew they were making breakfast. And this is a whole new experience. For me. So I, I'm looking and I know they're making stuff over there. And I look at my mom and I'm about to say, you know, I'd like some pancakes. And maybe you can make them strawberry pancakes. And can I get some Nutella? Maybe a little bit of eggs on this. My mom shut that down right away. She put her hand on my thigh before I could even speak. And she said, no, he'll get it. Thank you, though. Mm. And he walked out and... I looked at my mom and she says, look, you're no more important than that guy. I'm sure he's got something more important to do than to get you your breakfast. I guarantee it. So why don't you let him do your job? In the meantime, go introduce yourself to everyone on set and get your own breakfast because everyone's here to make this commercial as great as it could be. You just happen to be in front of the camera, but what happens behind it is just as important because if they Mm. screw up. Go mom. Yeah. Wow. So that's really what 
And even now, when I go on set, I try my best to remember everybody's name. I rarely let them get food for me. I'm happy because I get to mingle. You know, some people are fine. Oh, yes, go get my lunch and bring it to my trailer. And while you're at it, get me a Lufus lunch. But me, I, I like people. I like to mix it up. And I, I like to, you know, I like to get my own lunch. And mm -hmm. that that precept has stayed with me today. I try to, you know, I don't lose sight of the fact that everyone's job is important. Mine just happens to be in front of the camera, but everyone has got an oar in the water and everyone is rowing to make this project as good as it could be. So I don't ever let that ever change from one job or the other. Brian's very much the same as you mm -hmm. from yeah. everything I know and have heard about him from other crew members that I know that have worked on yeah. the same sets of him, especially when we first started dating and you find out what people are like. And I think that was such a cool thing to hear about him on set and the way he is with people that he works with, because I'm very much the same. And to know that that mutual respect is given to everyone, that he doesn't consider himself more important than anyone and shows kindness and respect to everybody was a, was a big positive for me in getting to know him and to know things about him. Yeah. You guys are very, very similar in that regard. Well, when you work so close together, all of a sudden it becomes a, a hive mentality. And when I see others doing good things that, oh, I could raise my game a little bit if I incorporated that into my personality or, or my level of professionalism that, you know, I'm always trying to, to do that. I think Brian, I think we're all pretty much the same. Like, oh, I want to do good. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to make sure that everyone knows that I appreciate what they're doing and have respect for their craft at whatever it is, whether it's lighting or, or pit design or, or camera, whatever it is. It's all equally important, mm -hmm. but we get the glory because that's all people see. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, right. But they, everybody deserves the glory and I make sure they all get it when I'm on set. And Brian totally. is the same way. It's, it's just, that's the way we are. I love that. Hey, it's Danielle Fischel. Ryder Strong. And Will Friedle. But you know us best as Topanga. Sean. And Eric from Boy Meets World. And now, Pod Meets World, the podcast where we've been sitting down weekly to rewatch the show we starred in as kids, and we've been unpacking, well, a lot. And we've been taking the show on the road with the Kids Wanna Jump Tour, where every stop in cities across the U.S. has been totally different and pretty hilarious, if I do say so myself. But we know not everyone can join us, so we're happy to announce that our recent 30th anniversary of the show, live from the Met in Philadelphia, will now be available to stream no matter where you live. Our biggest show yet in the hometown of the Matthews, featuring appearances by Trina, Angela McGee, Matthew Lawrence, a.k.a. Jack Hunter, Tony, Mr. Turner Quinn, and Danny Harley McNulty, who makes a very special surprise visit. It was so much fun, and now you can experience it from the comfort of your own home. It will be available on December 11th at 5 p.m. Pacific. You can learn more about how you can watch at veeps.events slash podmeetsworld. December 11th, your birthday. That's birthday true. Boy. Get all the info on streaming the live Pod Meets World show so you don't miss out. Go to veeps, V-E-E-P-S dot events slash podmeetsworld now. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. 
It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Was there a time where you weren't known as well, even though you've been acting since you were 12, and then 90210 came along, and then, you know, Spain happened, and you had that experience, and I'm sure it just escalated from there. Was it hard when 90210 ended, I mean, working on a show for 10 years straight and then having time in between? Because I know you've gone on to do other things. I mean, the yeah. whole Sharknado, DC that Comics. 10 years. That was 13 years later, though, Randy. It, it, right. You do get pigeonholed. Right after 90210, I was still Steve Sanders and all the casting directors. Ah, it was very difficult yeah. to get a job. Right. I got some episodic work and... And that was great. But in the meantime, I went out to Colorado and I built a house. 
you know, my need to create isn't only manifest through acting. Mm. Arts and craft um, is also something that I was very passionate about and doing it on a grand scale. I built a house in Colorado. I've since sold it, but just working with the architect, working with the builder, having a hammer in my hand, did that for a couple of years and, and, and did something that really satiated my need to create. It wasn't in front of the camera, but it was something. And over time, you know, staying determined to continue in this industry, things would come up that I would be right for. And, you know, there was Dancing with the Stars that I did in 07. Um, yeah, before I, my time. Yeah. I, at first, I turned it down. I turned it down from year one. But then all of a sudden, Mario Lopez blows up at the Mario Lopez. And I'm thinking, well, this maybe is a good thing. Am mm. I prejudging this? based on previous circumstances and similar situations, what are the pros and cons? Well, the pros are that I get to learn dancing. I get to be relevant again. I get to be on television. I get to be on the, the number one uh, variety the time show. It was huge then, my God, especially and back in I had the an opportunity, Huge and still huge. And I had an opportunity to raise money for charity. And am I just an actor or am I an entertainer? And I really had to reconcile that myself. Well, it's like I like doing a lot of things. And I think I'm limiting myself if I say I'm just an actor. You know, mm -hmm. if I'm an entertainer, then that includes actor. But it gives me a license to explore other modalities to, to create. Mm -hmm. And I, I got to the semifinals on that show and was really proud of myself. My father got a chance to see that. He was so proud of me. I love um, that. Went on to, to be on The Apprentice. Uh, raised three hundred and twenty-five thousand. You were on The Apprentice. I was on the last year with Donald Trump. Made it all the way to the end. Um, did not win, but still won three hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars for um, my charity. I, Amazing. I, I kind of feel like I got railroaded off, but that's the show. Whatever. Hey, it's create, reality TV. I had to create a uh, jingle for uh, Bud Light Rita drinks margarita you know lime margarita and i came up with this jingle because i used to sing frosted lucky charms are magically delicious for years before my balls dropped out that, that was always me and then all of a sudden my voice changed and i couldn't sing it anymore but jingles was my thing and i came up with this jingle lime margarita raspberry might sound crazy but it's true it's a cool thing with a new zing from the king of beers to you Thought it was golden. I thought I was gonna win. I think it's great. Yeah, it's great. What's it the problem? Was great. And Donald Trump says, "Oh, you can't use La Cucaracha. You're fired." I'm like, "All uh, uh, uh. oh, right." Wait, why can't you use that? Like, does it doesn't work? It would be copyright. That you it's, have to sample it's it. over. It's over sixty years old. I could use it. Oh, so I could use wrong. it. I just never got that out. He fired me right away. And, you know, and then could says, you imagine, I wish there was footage of you going, excuse me, Mr. Trump, but you are right. right. <laughs> right. Oh, I wish that existed. <laughs> but, you know, it's been great. So the ups and downs of the entertainment industry have been crazy. I worked with the Chippendales for a couple summers. Oh, that's right. I remember reading that. You did yeah. Chippendales? Good. For yes. You. I love Easy that. Darna. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Love yeah, I that. worked with the Chippendales, and it was really, you know, I'm only stripping to put my kids through school. 
Yeah, I get it. Listen, you got to do not everyone can just work for the Chippendales. I'm just saying like there's certain pre-qualifications that you have to have, you know, from the one to Randy scale of ripness right now, I got to about an 8.5, but it was enough that I didn't have a muffin top. And for two summers, I, I danced with the Chippendales. It's flirty. It's not dirty. I had a great time. It's flirty, not dirty. Is that the actual slogan? As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I saw Thunder from Down Under. This is going back over a decade ago when I was in um in Vegas uh, for a show. This is pre-Dancing with the Stars. And that, sh- that show got dirty. That racy. show, yeah, that got racy. Yeah. Spicy, racy, all the things. The women loved it. I mean, I loved it. I lost my voice a little bit. I have never seen Chip and Dales, though. It's, it's not dirty. It's not. Gotcha. It's spicy, but there's... It's not. I would. I wouldn't have any problem with my mother being in the audience while while it was happening. Gotcha. She would laugh, but it was great. And then you know, Sharknado, six of those crazy cockamamie movies, and you know, one thing leads to another, and who knows? I I feel like there's still a long road in front of me in this entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. I wait with eager anticipation for whatever the universe has for me. But in the meantime. I'm not sitting on my hands waiting for it. I'm building out and I'm doing and I'm daddying and enjoying it. Yeah. You're creating. Yeah. I think something that you said that's so important and I just love, I think everyone is creative in their own right, but there's like creativity and there's productivity. And a lot of times they intersect. And when you are a creative, when, when you're very creative and you're used to being creative in a certain way, if that goes away or if that is stalled for a period of time it's so important to create in other areas like you said you moved to colorado you built a house you used your creativity in other ways while you continue to be an actor and do things you started this beauty business that you got involved with and you've built teams out and you've helped so many people I can't even fathom how many people have changed their mindset, have been inspired, have gotten some business savvy from you and looked at things from a certain perspective. You've been creating in so many different facets that you have not had your hands tied. You just kept it moving. And I think people really need to hear that, that if there's one area of your life, because we all have it, right? It might Mm -hmm. be financial. It might be relational. There might be something that feels stuck and stagnant where it just feels like there's white noise. And instead of just focusing on what's not happening, what's not happening, why isn't it happening yet? And getting impatient, looking at, okay, if this isn't happening as quick as I would like it to, where else can I move that energy around so that I can continue the flow, continue the creativity and keep moving forward. And sometimes being productive and being creative can unleash that flow to come to you more so you're not as stagnant. I agree with that. It wasn't anything that I said, like, what else can I do? It's just following my passions, you know, with the house, it was because I wanted to do something and an opportunity came up to get some property out in Colorado and, you know, I had enough money from 90210 to do something and I made it happen. I didn't want to sit and feel sorry for myself. So I did that with, you know, my, my team 90210 beauty business. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I've always felt that success unshared is failure. And I found a financial vehicle that anybody could drive. And because it's about health and beauty products, it's kind of like a double win, you know, helps me maintain a youthfulness that's not commensurate with someone who's 59 years old and 
while I'm at it, I'm helping people put some food on the table. And then I continue to train and mentor and work with all these people. And it's really, it's so fulfilling. So where first I was chasing the dollars and needing an opportunity to provide for my family, once it gets there, then you realize, like, if you're doing this, you have to look over your shoulder and realize, like, I only got here is because I've helped other people do the same thing. Mm. And now I'm not chasing the dollars. I'm more chasing the purpose. And I've built a business and my business is helping others build theirs. And that's it. And it feels wow. good. Wow. Love it. It's impressive. Don't, not just chasing the dollars, chasing purpose. Yes. Yeah, so much better. So much better. It's so counterintuitive because I, you know, I think we're all born with this mindset, me, 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 me. But when you give, and like I've heard people say that, oh, live a life of service. Like, oh my God, that sounds so preachy. But there's something to it. There's mm. something to it. And I'm seeing it. And I'm grateful for having my mind really switched from a mindset of scarcity to one of abundance. Mm -hmm. It's it's changed me. Mm. Can we all take that masterclass, scarcity to abundance? Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. That, I'm in. I'll sign I'm up in. for that. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take the Iron Zeering workshop. Yeah. You guys are too much. No, no. I'm serious. Cause Very impressed. Look, I work with people for a living day in and day out. And there are still times where I catch myself in a scarcity mindset, could be programming from growing up. It could be something that's happening that, you know, triggers this thought or this, uh, you know, somewhere that I'm holding it in my body. And all of a sudden I'm tense for a moment thinking about something. And I think it's so important, invaluable actually, for people at large to learn how to move from scarcity to abundance, because there's sort of like affirmations and law of attraction and, you know, fake it till you make it even. And I think there's merit in all of those things, Absolutely. but sometimes it's still too hard of a jump for people. Like they can sit and go, okay, I'm wealthy. I'm wealthy. I'm wealthy. I'm wealthy. I'm wealthy. But their cells are like, but I have this bill and it's hard to pay and I feel constricted. Right. So it's just so important to work with this because coming out of a scarcity mindset and feeling more abundant, you feel closer in your relationships, less stressed, more present with your kids, more ability to be free as a human being. And it is so undervalued. Yeah. With my team, I, I talk about taking baby steps because compounded daily baby steps could end up hundreds of miles down the road for you if mm -hmm. you just do a little bit every day. And miraculously, what I found is when people jump off into the abyss, because I jumped off, miraculously, the safety net appears. Your own will to survive. You're going to find a way to grab onto something. And then if you have the right mentor or teacher or whatever it is, you'll begin to climb. And if you are committed to your own personal growth, you'll get it. If you're persistent with your personal growth, you'll continue to grow. And that's something that people just live in fear. You know, they don't want to change. They live in a comfort zone, but you got to shake them up. Look, other less capable people than you have done it. You can do this. So do you feel that that is the key is being persistent with your personal growth? Like that's the through line. If you could just be persistent, if you could get the right mentor, if you can ask for help, if you can still just find a way to grow through all of the challenges that one will be okay. I think being committed is the first thing you have to do. Like it's going to happen. I'm going to make it there. 
other less capable people than me have done it. I'm going to rise. It's going to happen. Failure is not an option. Burn the boats, whatever it takes. And once you set yourself on that course, if you're committed to it, you're going to get there. If you're persistent, then not only are you going to get there, but you'll get to the point where you're going to help others along the way. Because what's exciting and passionate to you, you can't help but share. You can't help it. It's like, you can't shut me up. I, you know, when you find something like a new Italian restaurant that opens up a town and it's better than mom chicken parmesan, everybody knows about it. So true. Everybody knows about it (laughs) because it's the best. Oh my God, you got to go try the chicken parm. It's unbelievable. Or a new book or a movie or whatever it is. You know, when you're passionate about something, you share it. And personal growth is something that everybody could use. You know, Randy, you're a life coach. People come to see you for insight and greater clarity, and it's worth it. You know, if I needed dance lessons, I'd go to Sharna. I'd be worth it. You know, whatever it takes to get there, you got to truly want it. And it boils that back down to where we started this conversation. Why? Mm. And don't forget your why. It's because whatever emotional reason it is, not the analytical one, whatever the emotional reason is enough to propel you into committing to your success, committing to your personal growth, whatever it is that you're trying to do. You need an emotional reason. And that's that's important. That's like why my team is on fire. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I, and, I just want more, right? I, I want to get some popcorn. I want to sit. Yeah, yeah. I want to oh, hear. You, you don't, if you come down to Los Angeles, you don't call me. I'm going to be I so pissed. I never get I up totally. to where you are. <laughs> Ian, we normally have like, these questions it will ask. We had like these fun segments, but I just need to tell you that you've been so engaging and wonderful and open and inspiring in your conversation. The things that you're saying just ring true to me. And I think have actually even been something I've needed to hear this week. Dude, you were meant to be with us. Thank you universe for this moment. You are wonderful. And I'm so grateful for this. I'm the lucky one here, Shona. Thank you though, for saying that. I appreciate it. Me too. Well, we do have three questions for you before you go. So Number one, if you could have any do-over in life, like we know that everything that we go through gets us to where we're at, but if you could have one do-over, what would it be? Oh, God. You know, a long time ago, Missy Halpern, who worked for Fox, right after, you remember Missy, probably do. Yep. Did Ian, would you ever like host a reality show? And I said, no, no, I'm an actor. I don't really... No, it's it's not for me, but thank you, American Idol. No. Oh, my God. <gasps> that's, not to say oh that, my that's not to say that they were offering me American Idol, but just for Missy to throw my hat in the ring yeah. to be considered. Now, let me just say, I think Ryan Seacrest, when he was doing it at that time, doesn't get any better. They got the right guy. Ryan is right. Awesome. But it's like, wow, it would have been – I would have liked to – had a shot at that title. Would have been nice. I, I I think they got the right guy. I probably wouldn't have got it, but if I had to pick one do-over, I'd probably go back to that moment and say, sure, why not? And see where you it know, goes. I love I'm that. I'm much more open now to what the universe holds for me. I I, mm. I don't say no to much. I, I, my mom used to say, Ian, get it first, and then you could turn it down. There was a commercial once for... Uh, something stupid and they had to put like a robot hat on and walk around like a robot. I'm like, I'm not doing that. And my mom says, why don't you get it? And then you could turn it down if you don't. And there were several times in my youth where I didn't want to do things, but 
okay. And I eventually, if I booked the part, I did it. And it wasn't really a big deal. It was more fun than I had nothing to be fearful of. So yeah, that would be the one moment, Randy. Mm-hmm. That that makes sense. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. What is one thing that you want your daughters to know most? What do you want them to carry with them in life? The big one. Wow. I think I want my daughters never to be fearful of trying, of doing something that they may be uncomfortable, something that they want, to always believe that anything is possible. They're only limited by their imagination. And I try to imbue them with a sense of courage and strength every day. It's funny. I I learned this little thing from Jenny Garth. She would kiss her children on the forehead every night, strength, courage, wisdom. And I've started doing that with my penna. And it's just, I said, what does that mean, Ben? What does strength mean? It just means to be strong and, and not not to be weak and, and face my challenges and know that I could do them. I'm like, good girl. And what is wisdom? Wisdom is knowing the difference between right and wrong, whatever it is. And, and what is courage? Standing up for myself. Good girl. Good girl. Stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. that's really beautiful. That's from Jenny. That's so cute. I do affirmations for Zane every night. I do like he obviously can't repeat them, but I it's something that I want to continue doing, and that is definitely something Isn't I'm going to keep one? in mind for when he can answer my questions. Ah, I love it. I kiss him goodnight, and I say, "I'm so glad you're mine. I'm the luckiest dad in the world. It's the best." Mm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful parenting moments. What mm. else you got, Randy? Okay, so last one. We talk about oldish as more of a concept. It's not an age, but it's where you get to this place in life where you start to ask questions. You garner some wisdom and you say, look, I now know some things because I've experienced some things. So what is something that you've learned or you now know being in this oldish phase? Well, I really feel more youngish in this Mm -hmm. phase. And I realized that it's uh, it's too late to make a brand new start, but I could always start today to make a brand new ending. So with whatever mm. it is, mic drop is, oh from Iron Zeering. Iron Zeering. That's gonna. That's yeah. We're gonna quote that. You know, it's something that I've learned along the way that roadblocks are never really the end of the road. If you look at a roadblock as a challenge, just figure out how fast you can get around it or over it or climb under it. There's always a way. It's never the end of the road in life. There's always ways to redirect the energy and get to what you want if you're creative and committed to making it happen and persist. I'm ready to meet my goals right now. Are you, Shana? Yeah, I'm so ready. (laughs) This is insane. Yeah, Ian, you need to do like workshops, dude. Seriously, have you considered that? This should be in your path. I have my workshops with my teams, mm-hmm. with my new skin teams. It's it's so fulfilling uh, helping other people and, and like you say, dropping bombs on them, which is really just paying knowledge forward that I've learned, you know, that I've uh, integrated in my my life that have helped me. It's just sharing what I've, I've known and mm-hmm. um, it just feels good. It just feels good. Mm-hmm. Ian, I know you got to get out of here. You got to get I do, girls I gotta go from pick up my little yes. Yeah, you got to go do the dad things. But again, I just want to reiterate thank you so much. So Charlotte, unbelievably you so grateful. Much. 
you're so lovely. I love you and Brian together. And your yeah. kids, it's just all just the best. And your mom, oh my God, it was so nice meeting you. Yeah, my woo. Thank you, thank you. And you have to come over again soon. We need more time. I will. I will. And Randy, I'm yes. telling you, you come to LA and you don't call me, buddy, we are going to be in a fight. I, we're going to do a workshop together or something. I, yeah, I, feel like I think we, so. We have to create something now. Yeah. I love you guys. Thanks All so right, much. Bye, Good to see you. I'm you. Love you bye. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Randy. All right, Sharna, let's go. What are we going to create? I'm so pumped I don't, up now. I want to create all the things. You getting this? This is amazing. Right? I am. What that quote? It's too late for a new beginning, but never too late for a new ending. Just like my jaw opened, I was like that. That just, ladies and gentlemen, I am zeering. That was he was very impressive. I had no idea. You know, it's so fun to connect with people after so long. I mean, it's yeah. been 20 years since I've seen Ian. I know he's with Tori and I, I see him sort of around in periphery, but haven't connected. And to, I know I said this, uh, I'll say it again, but sitting down in this format and getting a chance to talk to people and mm -hmm. really learn more about them and what their mindset is and how they reach for things and what they struggle with. It inspires me each and every time. Mm -hmm, me too. And it's so, I have to say this again, it's so crazy what the universe brings to you, always something that you need. We didn't really have a plan of what we were going to chat with Iron about. We we're just going to let it flow. And I've been having the week that I've been having, and I'm walking away from our episode feeling so inspired and motivated for, you know, the things that I have there and I've been wanting to do. It was just oh, perfect timing. And uh, I never thought I'd be grateful that Bri was away, but I'm I'm grateful that Bri was away and we got a chance to do this. And we thought about having Ian with us. The universe gives you what you need. And our hope and intention is that all of you who are listening got something that you need out of this too, just like each and every episode. Mm -hmm. So thank you all for listening. Sharna, grateful for you being here. So grateful for you, Randy. You're the best. Everyone, again, to reiterate, thank you for listening. Exactly what Randy just said. Make sure you go over to our oldish page and you can follow us. You can like us. You can comment. We see all of those things. Make sure you can send us DMs about any subjects you want us to touch on or any questions you may have for us. And if you do feel so inspired, please, we would be so thankful for you to rate us, give us some feedback. It really helps more than you know. And we appreciate you and we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. I hope you got as much out of this episode as we did. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes, you guys are amazing. Make sure you guys go and follow us on Instagram at, at oldishpod. And you can also go and leave us a message at our own hotline, which is 855-OLDISH-3. Make sure and write us a review. Leave us five stars if you loved it. Leave us five stars if you didn't. We it love helps. five stars. <laughs> we love five stars. Yeah, we like five stars. Time. Yeah. See you all next right. week. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you next week, everyone. Psst. There's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell to saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline, and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, Platinum status is earned with 12 fill-ups over three months, 10-gallon minimum per fill-up at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com status. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. 
this time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.